What's up, everyone? And welcome to another episode of the Renewable Energy Smart Pod. I'm your host, Sean McMahon. And today we're going to be talking yet again about the Inflation Reduction Act. It's a huge piece of policymaking that stands to have a big impact on the renewable energy industry. So I reckon we'll be talking about it for quite a while. My guests today are Joseph Tripke and Daniel Cruz from Liam Research. I got to tell you, I get a ton of research notes in my inbox, which probably isn't surprising considering what I do. But I can assure you, research notes from Liam Research never get lost in my inbox. If the team at Liam is talking, I'm listening. Joseph was actually on this podcast last year when we talked about the burning debate surrounding net energy metering. He and Daniel are here today to talk about the many ways the Inflation Reduction Act is poised to shape the markets for solar, wind, and battery storage. On our last episode, we heard from Lauren Collins at Vincent & Elkins about the various tax aspects of the IRA. But today, Joseph and Daniel will offer their views from more of an investor and financial market intelligence perspective. And speaking of market intel, don't miss the nugget Joseph and Daniel share about a new data collection platform the team at Liam recently launched. And in this case, when I say launched, I really mean launched. So let's get rolling. But first, here's a quick word from the sponsor of today's episode, ABS Quality Evaluations. It's time to get serious about sustainability. Assurance services from ABS Quality Evaluations provide your customers and stakeholders confidence in the high standards of your operations. With over 30 years of experience, we can guide your sustainability journey with key ISO certifications for environmental, health and safety, energy management, responsible care, and more. Our globally accredited quality and risk experts can assist you in reducing your carbon footprint, becoming energy efficient, and saving overhead costs. Go to www.abs-qe.com or click on the link in today's show notes to get started today. Thank you, everyone, for joining me for today's episode. I'm pleased to introduce my guests, uh, Joseph Tripke and Daniel Cruz. They are from Liam Research. Thank you guys for joining me. How's it going today? Good. Good, good to be here. Good to be back. Yeah, thanks for having us. Great. It's good to have you guys back on. So um, I want to dive right into it. First part of this conversation, we're going to talk a little bit about the Inflation Reduction Act. You guys kind of cover various corners of the energy sector. So I want to kind of get your overall take for what's your reaction when you saw the passage of the IRA and you know what kind of impact does it stand to have on, on the entire renewables marketplace? Yeah, it's um, it's obviously a big deal, Sean. I think it's that's probably no surprise to your listeners. You know, I think it's um, it's pretty huge. I think Daniel and our research team and I have a, a Slack chat, and some of the words that we were, you know, spouting off in there as it moved through Capitol Hill were things like next energy boom and super cycle. So it's it's definitely big. I think one thing that it's important to remember is that we do kind of approach this act with some tempered enthusiasm. Because a lot of the provisions that did make it through are not necessarily new. And some of them are things that renewables industry has kind of been banking on, uh, on coming, things that had bipartisan support in the Build Back Better bill that failed. So we, and I think a lot of the industry is, have expected that a lot of the provisions would come to pass eventually. And I think what this act really did was to remove the overhang of uncertainty, right? Which is for investors, that's one of the biggest things is, you know, uh, and uncertainty is is a very big negative, and so it kind of cleared that out, um, opened up the fairway for for more spending. I think 
some of the specific provisions. I was listening actually to a recent guest you had on, Sean. I think uh, Lauren from VE recently, kind of talking through the nuances, and some of those are certainly different. And so as it makes its way into um, into effect, it'll have some different nuances. But for me, I think the biggest thing was just the removal of uncertainty. And I don't know if Daniel uh, wants to add to that. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree. Um, part of our job here is not just to model and to to predict and to to analyze based on what's out there, but also to think about what the expectations are and give our realistic view and, and model of the industry. And for solar, look, we already had a, some pretty big um, expectations for the solar industry. With the passing of the IRA, um, a lot of that overhang of potentially not having, for instance, an ITC at 30%, that came off. Um, but it was generally expected, I think, among the industry before this bill passed that, that we were going to pass an ITC at 30%. So things like that, we're, we're, we're kind of wading through and, and getting um, nailed down. But, but generally speaking, like our expectations for solar and for wind and for the renewable sector has gone higher after the passing of this bill. All right. I want to kind of dive into each of those sectors. You know, uh, let's start with solar. I know you guys offer a lot of information on utility and, and residential. So, so where do you guys see in that subsector? I would say um, first, just on the utility scale solar, um, we actually just revised our, our utility scale model after the passing of this bill. And, and keep in mind, we're, we're U.S. focused, and so all of our estimates are U.S. based. But we took our estimates. We, we, we have about 13 gigawatts being installed this year. We think after the passing of the IRA, you could have almost 20 gigawatts. So this is a big increase, and and it's a it's a short amount of time. Like like. To give you a perspective, um, we were only doing five gigawatts a, a few years ago. And so to have 20 gigawatts per year installed next year, these are big ramps. Part And the only reason that they could do it is because you had the IRA passed. Like I said earlier, I, I think a lot of people expected the ITC to go through and some of the bonus credits to go through and all that. But but still, this is this is big and it adds a big it takes away a big uncertainty. I won't get into it now, but the other big uncertainty and the bigger uncertainty, I think, than having the the um, the ITC and other things was the solar tariffs and, and the solar panel import issues. It just so happens that both of these things are getting cleared up kind of at the same time. And so it sets up a real positive uh, momentum case for solar, not just 10 years from now, but now um, in the near term. We, we've seen that in some of our satellite data and we're, we're seeing it certainly in the queues as we go next year. So this is this is great, I think, for the industry and exactly what the industry needed. All right. And what do you guys see as far as wind goes? Yeah, I think on on wind, one of the big things for us, and particularly offshore wind, where we spend a, a little bit more of our time, is the uh, the boost this gives to the supply chain, and particularly the the local content side of the U.S. Uh, market. Um, as you know, Sean, from covering these uh, these headlines in wind for a long time, you know, there's been a lot of talk going back a, a decade or more about these offshore wind projects, and they've kind of been stalled. The Biden administration really since uh, since he took office has been very proactive on uh, working with the BOEM to try to accelerate timelines and project approvals 
uh, get these environmental reviews off the sidelines and actually get them approved. And so we've actually seen quite a bit of progress from a governmental side already. And I think what the IRA did, if you kind of dig into some of the provisions, is to really put some more incentives and define them um, around grants for transmission and some of the incentives that it that it gives to local content. Developers will get uh, bonuses as well for more domestic content. So I think from our perspective, and we did a huge deep dive on the supply chain, the supply chain has been kind of the bigger risk than the government support. You know, we're actually tracking over 40 gigawatts of uh, projects in the pipeline, both sort of speculative stage as well as already moving through some st- some sort of approval. And as we look at supply chain, you know, the vessels, the quayside infrastructure, but ports, um, supplies, components, there really just is not the capabilities to execute on that yet. So for me, the biggest thing on the IRA was as, as far as wind was the supply chain boost. Okay, now I want to talk a little bit about storage. You know, there are some aspects in the IRA that are focused on storage and standalone and things like that. So how do you guys see that sector of the marketplace taking shape after the IRA's passage? Yeah, great question. I mean, I, I think it is in terms of incremental um, changes in the uh, from this IR, IRA bill is the um, the battery storage components of this. Like before this, we had not had a standalone ITC, meaning that if you put a battery out um, in the field somewhere, you weren't going to get credit for it unless it was combined with solar or wind or some other renewable source. And so this is this is great for battery storage. For us, this means that that from our total um, the, the total capacity now being 10 gigawatts or so, this probably means battery storage in the US um, can get up to 50, 60 gigawatts um, in a matter of like five years. So this is this is huge and big for what the the US needed for building out the battery storage chain. I will temper that comment with saying like that's not much more capacity than we had already planned before the IRA was passed. Again, we were already anticipating some sort of ITC and standalone um, being passed here. So, so we did revise it higher, but but not dramatically higher. But bottom line is we go from from somewhere around ten to sixty um, gigawatts in a matter of five years. So it's it's huge. It's big. We'll be right back. Get serious about sustainability. Assurance services from ABS Quality Evaluations can guide you with ISO certifications for environmental, health and safety, energy management, and more. Our globally accredited experts can help you become energy efficient and save overhead costs. Go to www.abs-qe.com or click on the link in the show notes to learn more. And now back to my conversation with Joseph Tripke and Daniel Cruz from Liam Research. All right, we talked a little bit, you know, about some of the pitfalls, you know, supply chain things like that. And I want to dive a little deeper there. So, big picture on the IRA or within each individual sector, what are some of those pitfalls out there that you're worried about that might kind of get in the way of some of this growth we're talking about? Yeah, I think um, I think one aspect of inflation that won't be curbed by the Inflation Reduction Act is higher costs in renewables, um, and so I think. You know, all the problems that were there before the IRA are still there. You know, as Daniel talked earlier, I think we're, we're seeing some progress on some of the tariffs and some of the import problems that we've seen. And Daniel can speak a little bit more to, to how we're using satellites to, to get higher conviction on, on that clearing up. But 
I think the you know the renewables industry has faced really for the first time in its in its short history a year where cost went up. You know, costs have structurally been coming down for many years, and I think cyclically they're they're going up now. Um, structurally, they're actually still coming down, but the cyclical inflation is is offsetting that this year, and that's something new for the industry. And I think as we think about you know the government really opening up its wallet for renewables here, these incentives, some of the spending, the grants. You know, you're going to have sort of a gold rush over the next, you know, three to five years, as we've talked about throughout the show. You know, not entirely unexpected, but I think um, it's certainly going to draw more folks in. And so, things like you know, lithium in in the battery supply chain already a huge concern. Daniel talked about going from 10 gigawatts online to 60 by 2025. I mean, you know, the the lithium supply chain is a real concern for that. That's a potential choke point. I think again, panel delays. You know, getting through that component costs for everything, you know, from, from wind through resi solar are a concern back to, back to offshore wind, you know, the, the wind turbine installation vessel market is undersupplied globally, and we don't even have our first vessel dedicated to the U S built yet. And so, you know, as we think about having to have a call on global capacity, bring in vessels from Europe, kind of working around the Jones act with some feeder vessels, you know, those are, those are going to be big challenges for developers that, probably do get a little bit more difficult as more folks come in following the IRA. Okay. Then in terms of other things that might trip up some of this projected growth, we'll call it. Uh, Joseph, last time I had you on the podcast, we talked a lot about net energy metering. And so are there any kind of state and local you know, laws or statutes out there that might get in the way of this? I mean, obviously, if that goes the wrong way in certain jurisdictions, that's going to have an impact on residential solar. But you know, anything like that you guys are watching? Yeah, there's potentially a couple things out there. I think that's always a wild card at the state and local level. But one thing I would say, and especially with this sort of sweeping legislation passed at the federal level, is that even at the state and local level, I think the level of support for renewables has never been higher. And so we're in an extremely conducive market. Could there be things that pop up and some maybe unexpectedly? I don't think you know NEM was really on people's radar you know, much before we talked about it on the on the show back, I guess, was that in March, Sean? Uh, yeah, March right. of last year. So it's been a year and March a half. March of 21. So. Yeah. Yeah. So it's one of those things that where things can pop up unexpectedly and you never quite know at the local level if, if there's going to be a you know, spoke thrown in the wheel. But again, I think just thinking big picture, the IRA lifts the environment, both at the federal level, the state and the local level. It's it's kind of an across the board and in, 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 in sort of setting off this renewable spending wave, that's going to impact every corner. So even if some corners of the market, you know, regionally are not quite as fast to ramp as others because of some restrictions, I think everything's going up. I would add to that on the residential side, that's one sector of our renewables um, pieces that we really haven't revised up our expectations. Um, now, we were already anticipating growth next year, but it was, it was relatively modest. And I, I bring this back to... Um, to this year's residential solar market, it's been absolutely phenomenal. And part of that, it has to do with California because California is such a large piece of the residential market. It relates to California, um, the NIM piece of, of residential solar. And there was a lot of fear around NIM being, uh, NEM being changed this year. And so people got out and they, they really contracted a lot of solar this year. And so it's hard to see this bill really um, making residential solar grow at an incremental rate at the same way it's doing for utility solar and storage and offshore wind and whatnot. So yeah, much more dependent on the, the local environment and local laws. Really? I'm, that, I'm surprised to say you're not really bumping up your expectations because 
obviously a lot of the headlines around IRA was like yeah. tax credits and, you know, homeowners are going to be able to get this tax credit and that tax credit. So, um, yeah, it's fascinating, but it makes sense though. Cause you know, NIM kind of motivated people and that might level out to same thing as all these tax incentives motivating people. So that's right. And I, and I think if you would, if you would have surveyed people in the um, residential solar market and you would have asked them their honest opinion six months ago, if they thought that there was going to be a, a tax credit of 30% in 2025, most of the industry would have said, yeah, probably it's generally had bipartisan support. Um, and so like, that's, that's something that at least for us, we already had growth. We didn't think there was going to be a reduction we didn't think ITC was really going to go to zero. Um, and so for, at least for us and our expectations and the investors we talk to, it's not a real increase in our model for that segment of the market. All right. And then speaking of you know solar and an extremely well-timed uh, new product launch or new information gathering tool from you guys, I saw come across my desk right about the time that the IRA was making its way around Capitol Hill. You guys are deploying satellite to track solar projects. So what can you guys tell me about that? I believe it's called SolarStat. Yep. SolarStat. And yeah, you're right, Sean. Biden kind of stole our thunder by signing the, uh, the bill on the same day we <laughs> launched. <laughs> we didn't get a call from Pennsylvania Avenue asking us... Uh, you know, about the schedule, but, um, but in all seriousness, we, I think we were really, we were really actually pretty thrilled that they happened at the same time. I think as we've talked, um, on your show, Sean, the, you know, the, the IRA definitely changes the game. Again, a lot of the stuff was expected, but it codifies it and, and removes that uncertainty. And so I think the way that people think about the market and try to get data also needs to change with that. You know, some of the old conventions, the old wisdom of relying on lagging data or anecdotes or, you know, potentially biased sources that that may not cut it if the market starts to move really fast. And so with the satellite product, um, you know, I'll let Daniel kind of talk through more about how it works, but we're effectively providing that real time kind of eye in the sky on utility scale solar. Yeah, I think tying it back to the, the IRA, um, before the IRA had come out, we were looking at satellite imagery and we, we've been kind of had this in testing mode for the last six months or so. And we, we were looking at the satellite imagery and we were comparing that with expectations on on the ground and, and what people thought about the utility solar market. And it, it's been dreadful. Um, if you talk to investors, if you ask them where they want to put their capital, they had not wanted to be part of the utility scale solar chain for the last six months. But um, if you look at the solar satellite imagery, projects were still ongoing. Um, they were starting. They were, there was momentum from the actual developers themselves. Nextair is a good example. Um, they have delayed their projects, but they were, were still very active in starting new ones. And so what this did was because the sentiment out there didn't really have an eye, I would say, on the ground, um, they kind of just assumed this kind of negative sentiment, negative attitude. And all that sentiment was based on Commerce Department, right, and supply chain. Issues, That's right. right. Yep, yep. And there was other there was other industry groups that were driving this. They were putting out surveys um, and whatnot about the industry. And 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 granted, like solar panel installs have been down, but they haven't been nearly as draconian as as some of the sentiment has been in the media. But you wouldn't have known that um, unless you literally were watching these projects move along. Um, and you were watching them get started. Well, what we saw was with the IRA, it got rid of that overhang or, or, or it just made the sentiment improve. But to really know like what is, is happening um, or, or how that 
improves the fundamentals of the market, you would have had to have been watching those projects start. And bottom line being projects have all, were already ready to go, have been started. Um, and so this just kind of adds to that positive fundamentals here over the next six months, 12 months, and two years. All right. Just so our listeners comprehend what we're actually talking about here. He's talking about watching these projects go. So you're literally, you got satellites trained on you know how many utility scale projects. They're watching it and yeah. like to build out how far that progressive, how many, you know, how many panels are put down today, tomorrow, the next day. Like, right, give me right. the both of how the project works. Yeah, so we we say three hundred and fifty officially, but but really it's more about uh, it's more like six hundred or so. And so these are any projects or any sites um, that could potentially have a solar project come online by twenty twenty four. And so as each day we're looking at the the different satellite imagery, and we have methods in in AI and whatnot that can identify these trends. But we can see when when dirt's been moved. Um, and so as soon as dirt's moved. Um, we're able to to kind of identify that product and we're able to aggregate that in a larger scheme of things. We're able to see exactly where it was, that the EPC contractor, we're even able to see the solar panel manufacturers that will most likely go onto that project. And so from the time the dirt turns to the time it comes online, we've got a, a short period, 9, 12, 15 months, maybe two years at most, that most of the activity is happening. And so those satellites stay on those projects and watch every phase of that development from when the trackers come on to when you, you start installing your panels and to when those, the, those projects are ready to go. And I think that's the importance of it and, and kind of takes a lot of the, the guesswork out of it. So you guys can watch if you know someone like a Nextier is building out a huge solar facility with a gajillion panels. You can actually kind of tell if it's on time or on track. Oh yeah, you know how far yeah, along they sure. are. Like okay, they're a month away or two months, three months, maybe a month behind because of supply chain stuff. So you can really kind of keep your finger on the pulse of, of what's going on in terms of the status of the each individual project at hundreds of locations. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, Nextera is a good example because um, the same time that Nextera came out back in May, um, I think it was May, that they, they were talking about how bad things were because of the solar panel tariffs. At that same time, we were looking at how many projects they were starting. And the number of projects they were starting had jumped like fivefold from a, a year ago um, period, um, while at the same time they're saying that they're, they're, they're going to have to reduce activity or, re- or they're going to reduce installations, which all of that's true. It's just a sentiment idea and it's a timing thing. Um, and so from our perspective, it was positive for the industry that what we saw Nextair doing was continuing to drive utilities scale solar activity. But what the rest of the space was saying was, this is really bad. Everything's terrible. I don't want to be an investor in that space. And bottom line, if you would have taken what Nextair was doing on the ground rather than what they were saying, if you invested, let's say, Array or, or Shoals or, or one of these utility-scale solar companies on the public side, you would have been in a stock like Array that went from $7 to $20. So these are big advantages that you can benefit from by, by actually watching it in the sky. Yeah, I want to follow up on that because obviously we have a ton of investors who listen to this show. So who else is tapping you guys for this information? You know, What kind of customers, funds and things like that? Yeah, I'd say most of, most of the interest has been on on the institutional investor side. So you know, mutual funds, pension funds, private equity funds, both on the public side of the equity market and the the private side. I think there's probably application in the in the credit market as well. And then also from corporate management, uh, we've had interest as well. And I think some of that, you know, what they're looking at is business development. You know, if they're a supplier 
kind of watching which projects are actually actively moving. Um, And then also if they're a developer, they can kind of monitor the competition a little bit better. All right. And what is all this data telling us right now? I mean, I know you mentioned that some of the headlines were not matching the the actual, you know, dirt being moved and projects being built out on the ground. But is there any other information you guys have already been able to glean from this, you know, new information gathering technology? I think the biggest is is what we'd already mentioned is that that the the amount of dirt being turned is just as good as it was a year ago. Meaning people even before IRA is, is being implemented, the utility scale solar activity has been maintained. Now, what we are also able to see is is the installations and the amount of panel installations that have come in as we track it. And that's down 20, 30, 40 percent in the U.S. So that's not a surprise. I think, though, what the surprise is that, that we're still turning a lot of dirt. The other thing we can see is about 20 gigawatts or so of projects that are under construction now. Again, before IRA, we've got 20 gigawatts that is under construction right now. We'll only put of that, um, we'll, we'll maybe only put six gigawatts of that online here in 2022. The majority of that will go right into 2023. So adds to this kind of positive outlook for that. Are there any regions or I should say states that are moving a little quicker than there you, that you're noticing? Maybe projects in California are staying on time or, or moving ahead quicker than you know Texas or Arizona, something like that? I would say on the... Um, on the the new dirt being turned, Texas is the one where we saw back starting about March, where the new dirt being turned there was was pretty incredible. Um, Florida too, we mentioned NextEra. Uh, NextEra started a ton of projects in Florida over the last three months or so. So those are the ones that stand up for first dirt. All right, now I'd like to ask you both to just kind of think about big picture stuff. You know, one of the things we do on the show is we ask guests for bold predictions. You know, about what they see in the renewable space in the you know next year, maybe five years. You know, whatever timeline you want to put on it. So, what do you guys got? Any bold predictions you want to put your name out there on and and see if they come true? I guess I'll start. Um, you know, I, I we um we kind of like the bold predictions aspect of it. Um, we we like research because in the type of research we do because we we can put bold predictions on things. Um, sometimes they're right, sometimes they're not, but at least they um, they stand out. One of the things to me that stand out is on the, the storage side. We've got, I, I mentioned this number earlier, but we've got um, it was 60 gigawatts coming online by 2025. This is huge there. I think the EIA number, the, at least the last one I saw, they maybe were, were getting up to 40 gigawatts or so. Um, there's other industry folks that do this too. And I've seen kind of that 40 gigawatts range across the board. So I think 60 gigawatts would be pretty huge, but I think it's doable. Um, part of that is a standalone, um, or more than half of that will be the standalone um, piece of it. And, and with the IRA bill taking that standalone uh, headwind off of it, then that means that that, that standalone 50% or more can really go ahead and, and we can get there. All right, Joseph, anything you want to add in terms of the bold predictions department? Yeah, I think Daniel had a great one there. I think just kind of just thinking bigger picture, again, just processing the IRA, as we've talked, you know, Sean, on your show that a lot of the boost that the IRA is giving the industry was baked into our numbers and I think baked into some of the market expectations. So I think you'll see um, as you look at third party research firm estimates, I think everyone is going to be raising. That shouldn't be a big surprise. But I think, again, as we come back to kind of some of the delay issues, the supply chain issues, some of the cost inflation, we talked about higher interest rates and what that means for project economics. You know, I'd argue that at least on some of Liam's forecasts, which already included that IRA boost before it was passed in many cases, 
I'd almost argue we might see a little bit of downside to some of our published numbers, which I think could surprise people just given this this sort of exuberant positivity in the wake of the IRA is that kind of as we actually go into execution mode, you know, you never know what's going to pop up. So uh, very bullish outlook, but I'd say, you know, watch out for some of those, those um, unexpected little potential downsides. Gentlemen, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you both for joining me to talk about what you got going on in terms of SolarStat, but also your overall views on IRA. So thanks for your time today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks. That's our show for today. But before we get out of here, I want to say one final thank you to our sponsor, ABS Quality Evaluations. If you like this podcast, please share it with your friends and colleagues. And be sure to follow us on Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at RenewablesPod. And if you'd like a daily dose of renewable news delivered to your inbox, head to SmartBrief.com and sign up for the Renewable Energy Smart Brief. The Renewable Energy Smart Pod is a production of SmartBrief, a future company.